The photo on the screen is one that uh, I took a little while ago, and I can say that probably, thanks to the photogenic nature of the people, it, it turned out okay. Um, and we didn't need to have too many takes of it, but I guess uh, around Christmas time, when a number of people will try and do family portraits, particularly if you have got young children, there may be a, a challenge in trying to get everyone to look at the camera at the same moment with a smile on their face and not having any eyes closed. Anyone ever had a challenge of a family photo like that? Yes, quite a few of us have done that. Now, imagine for a moment that what you decide to do is you want a picture, not of your um, family, but of your pets. Uh, and just imagine you have, because you rescue various pets and give them a home, 17 of them. Nine cats and eight dogs. Just imagine trying to take a photo of that. <laughs> this is a picture that uh, a lady called Katie Smith managed to get of her nine cats and eight dogs all looking in the same direction. Now, when she describes the picture, she does admit that it actually took a number of days, a lot of cajoling and treats, and finally she got this picture, uh, and a second later, they were all off doing their own thing in different directions. A picture, a perfect time, a perfect moment where all are looking in the same direction direction. Today I want to talk about perfect timing and particularly concentrate on one verse that we have looked at from the reading that Philippa brought. The verse is this, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law. Uh, it says in the New Living Translation, when the right time came. The message translation says, when the time arrived that was set by God the Father. The King James Version speaks of the fullness of the time was come. What is being said here is that Jesus was born at the perfect moment. God's timing, as Scripture will reveal to us, is perfect. God's timing is perfect. However, what I want to also do is acknowledge that as we might say God's timing is perfect, perfect timing can be a challenge. Not only did we see that in that photo, but let me give you another example. Uh, perhaps there are people here who have traveled with others who think the perfect time to arrive somewhere is slightly different from your perfect time. That can happen in a couple of ways. You may be somebody who likes to arrive with plenty of time to spare. So if you were going to catch a train, you would like to be at the train station a good half hour before the train actually leaves. You know, why wait around, other people might think. I don't need to be there 30 minutes early. Five minutes early is plenty of time. After all, all I need to do is get on the platform and get in the train. What a waste of time to allow more time. Now, just imagine for a moment a compromise within that where you arrive 15 minutes before the train comes. You've got one person 
who is arriving there panicking because there's so little time before the train goes. And you've got another person who is thinking, what a waste of time. I I could have spent another 10 minutes at home. You see, we have different ideas of what perfect timing can be. Uh, And if that's the case for us as human beings, that can also be the case for us with God. You see, if the Bible is saying God's timing is perfect, some of us may have experience where it feels like God's timing is far from perfect. We live in a world where things go wrong, where we have difficult situations that we face. And many of us may have experienced that moment where we're we're praying to God and we're longing to see something happen, but it doesn't. And we're left with the question, what's going on with God's timing? And that can lead us to feel various things. We might be confused. Confused. God, what is going on here? I've been praying. Why aren't you answering? I don't get it. Why is it that I prayed and this situation actually seems to be getting worse? I just don't understand where you are or what you're doing right now. Confusion. It can also be a source of frustration. You know, God, why can't you do something about this? I'm waiting and I'm waiting. I believe in you and I trust you, but you don't seem to be doing anything. And frustration can lead into anger towards God. We can have other feelings as well. Disappointment. God, I place my trust in you as the one who I thought would make a difference. And yet it hasn't. I'm disappointed. We can be in a place of guilt. Perhaps the reason that God hasn't answered is because of the wrong things that I have done in my life. Maybe if I had been a better person, God would have answered and everything would have been okay. So God's timing can leave us feeling guilty. Or or maybe we question our own self-worth. Perhaps I'm not important enough for God to help. Perhaps I'm not really worth his time. Or maybe even the timing of God leaves us in the position where we end up doubting. God, I thought you were there, but maybe you're not. Because surely if you were, if you are a good God and you're a loving God, why haven't you done anything about my situation some examples of how we can feel when God's timing is not the timing that we have. When we experience the difficulty of life and God's timing just is not working out for us. Perhaps some of you here today can identify with the challenge of God's timing. And yet we hold out today This verse, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law. This idea that God's timing is perfect, we see it in the Christmas story, that Jesus came at the perfect time, at the perfect moment. 
and you see, if we hold out that God's timing is perfect, as displayed in the Christmas story, then we have to do one of two things when life is difficult and when timing doesn't seem to be working out for us. We go through that frustration. We go through that anger, the disappointment, the lack of self-worth, the doubt, whatever it might be, and we stay in that place with those questions. Or we take the viewpoint that says, if God's timing is perfect, maybe there's something more for me to understand through what is going on. Maybe I don't have the full picture yet. Maybe there's more that I can learn. And so today what I want to do is to take that moment to just think, first of all, about why this time might have been perfect, and then to consider if it is the perfect time, what can we learn about God's timing from it? Okay, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Uh, there's a story that I like. It's not a true story, of course, but I like it nonetheless, of a, of a man who decided that he wanted to talk to God and so went up a hill. Uh, and when he got to the top of the hill, he asked God a question. He said, God, what is a million years like to you? And God said, a million years is like a minute to me. And the man said, just to get an idea of the vastness of God, God, what is a million pounds like to you? God said to him, a million pounds is like a penny to me. So the man thought for a moment and said, God, could you give me a penny? God said, in a minute. God's timing. God's ideas and understanding are different to our understanding. We don't have the full picture, uh, and we need to understand that and come questioning and say, Lord, I don't get everything. I understand that I am a human being, and I don't see the way you do, but let me try and understand some more. Let's come to the Christmas story, first of all. When the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Have you ever wondered why was roughly 2,000 years ago the right time for Jesus to come? You know, what, what made that the perfect time? Some of you will know the story of Adam and Eve right at the beginning of the Bible. Adam and Eve are the first people created by God. And they are there living in the garden. And as the first people created by God, here in this garden, the Bible tells us that they can walk with God. They're close to him. They have this intimate relationship. Uh, and God says, look, you can eat from any of the trees in the garden except the one tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You cannot eat from that tree. And then the story goes on about how they attempted because the fruit looks good from that tree. And the temptation is this. If you eat of it, you will become like God. You will have a sense of power. You won't need God anymore because you can actually do things on your own. 
And the temptation became so great that they ate of the fruit. And that broke the closeness of the relationship with God. They hid from him. They no longer walked with him. There was a break in the relationship. And the question that we might ask is, we don't know exactly, but perhaps in the region of 4,000 years later, Jesus came. Why? If Jesus comes in Matthew, and the story of Adam and Eve is here, why doesn't he come a bit earlier than that? Yeah, if the problem is a lack of an intimate relationship, things are broken, why does God take 4,000 years to put it right? Couldn't we be reading about Jesus coming in Genesis chapter 6? Why is the perfect time for Jesus to come so much later? What's going on? Well, of course, we can't know for sure because we can't know God's mind. But there are various things that have been suggested. Uh, Thomas Aquinas, famous 13th century theologian, came up with this as a reason. He said that actually what happened is this, that human beings had to learn that pride was going to get in the way of their relationship with God. So Adam and Eve came, and they tried to do it in their own way and in their own strength. They, they practiced what you, if you, you could call natural law. They did what was right to them. But people had to see that that wasn't going to work. Uh, and when they had found that that hadn't worked, God sent his law. You know, you can still try by your own efforts to put yourself right with God through the law. And human beings had to see that actually we all fall short of God's glory. We never live in his holy way as we should. We always fail. And that took a period of time. Human beings had to learn that we couldn't do it on our own. Okay, that might explain why it takes a little bit longer than Genesis chapter 6 to get there, but why this time? Other people have come up with different reasons. Here, here are three of them that, that link together, which may give some idea about why this could have been the perfect time. You see, first of all, some people point out that uh, the Israelites, the, uh, the people, they were under Roman rule, and they hated Roman rule. They were really looking and hungry for a Messiah to come and rescue them from this. So they were at that time where they were at their hungriest. Combined with the fact that actually there was greater peace in the world at that time because of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire had conquered politically. And so it was safer to travel round now than it had ever been. This meant that the gospel could spread. And where the Romans had conquered politically, the Greeks had conquered culturally. And so there was one language, Greek, that was spoken widely at that time, which meant the message of Jesus could be passed on to many different people. It wasn't just with one nation. Now, I don't know what you think of those reasons. I think they're interesting. Are they true? Who knows? God knows. Because God has his reason for perfect timing. Uh, now, the question for us is this. How will we handle God's timing? 
How will we handle God's timing? Uh, there's a picture here of a train from Japan. And uh, I was reading a report of the outrage in Japan uh, that was caused by a train not running to time. Now, of course, we in this country, uh, anyone who uses the trains, we're not probably that surprised if trains don't run to time, are we? Rob, no offense, please, but I think that's just our, our experience, that actually we're not surprised that trains don't run to time. Um, here, the outrage was caused because the train had left 25 seconds early. Apparently, uh, the explanation came like this. The conductor thought the train was due to leave at 7.11, but actually it was at 7.12. He realized his mistake when he closed the doors. He could have averted the awful thing of the train leaving 25 seconds early, but he hadn't seen anyone else on the platform waiting to get the train. And so he decided it was okay for it to leave 25 seconds early. He was wrong. Somebody was waiting to get on it. Uh, and what made this worse is it had come on the back of a few months earlier. Uh, the same train line, the same train operator had allowed a train to leave 20 seconds early. It was getting worse. Uh, the train operator, not surprisingly, issued a groveling apology. Uh, and they did say in it, we apologize for the great inconvenience we have placed upon our customers. It is totally inexcusable. <laughs> 20 seconds and 25 seconds. You know, how do we react to timing not being as we would expect it to be? Let me suggest that what we need to do is we need to be able to trust in God's timing. It's a decision we have to make. Am I going to trust that even when things don't work out exactly as I expect them to, when I want them to, even though I prayed that things might happen like that, when it hasn't worked out like that, will I trust God? Will I trust God? Will I trust God in the silence? Because the reality is, there are times where we may experience God closely, but those of us who go on in the Christian journey are likely to have that moment where we say, actually, it feels like God is silent. I cannot hear him. I do not understand. Will we trust God in the silence? Did you know, in the Old Testament, there are around 300 prophecies, promises, saying that a Messiah, a child would come and change things. Let me read one of them to you, Micah chapter 5, verses 2 to 5. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace promise of the coming Jesus. 700 years 
before he did come. Even when we come to the last book of the Bible, of the Old Testament, the last one read, uh, written that we have, written a little over 400 years before the birth of Jesus. A time of silence for hundreds of years. The promise of God would still come true. You see, this is the challenge that we face in that there can be times when we have in our lives that experience of God seems silent. God seems distant. I do not know what's happening. Can I trust the promises of God? The answer is yes. Because the promises of God are always going to come true. We just don't know exactly when. The promise of a Messiah the promise of a saviour made 700 years before. When's he going to come? Think of all those generations that waited. The promise of God is fulfilled. Will we trust God in the silence if we believe that what the Bible says is true? God's promises always come true in his perfect timing. And so that means we need, if we're going to be trusting in God, we need to have a trust in the Bible, a trust in the Word of God. You see, through the silence, there are things in here that can keep us going. We can read the words of Paul, who will tell us that nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And when it feels like God is distant, when God is silent, that can help to keep us going. We can look at words of Paul in Philippians as he encourages us to pray about all things and the peace of God that passes all understanding will be yours. See, as we pray, we can experience still a sense of peace, even in the silence even when we don't necessarily get that sense of peace, because as human beings, you know, we can lose that sense of peace very easily. We can look to near the end of the Bible, Revelation 21, where it talks about what will be, that new heaven and the new earth, where there will be no more death, no more tears, no more illness, no more crying, because actually in this world, things are not always right. Things go wrong, things are bad, things hurt, but one day Jesus will come again and all will be well and all will be made well. That can keep us going even when things are bad. Jesus said, there are many rooms in my Father's house. The promise that we will be with him forever. The Bible can keep us going when we place our trust in it. Are we allowing the Bible to feed us day by day, even when it feels like God is silent? Because you see, the danger is that we're more likely to read the Bible, we're more likely to pray when we experience the closeness of God. And if God feels distant because of silence, we're less likely to pray and less likely to read the Bible and more likely to go, grow distant from the promises of God's Word. Somewhere we have to make that decision. Do I trust in God's timing? Will I trust 
in his word. And finally, trusting in God through testimony. You see, it can be so easy for us to face the most difficult situation that we are in and forget things that have happened in the past. We can forget those moments where we've seen God's timing in our lives and the way he's worked things out, because right now things are difficult and hard. Maybe that was just a coincidence back then, because this is how I'm feeling now. Are we going to trust our testimony and remember our testimony from those times when we have experienced, hopefully, God's timing? Or maybe you're here today and you haven't experienced God's timing. Will you trust the testimony that other people can give of God's timing? Let me share a story with you about God's timing. At 7.27 p.m. on Wednesday, March the 1st, 1950, the West Side Baptist Church in Nebraska was destroyed when its gas fire furnace exploded. The explosion would normally have been expected to kill a number of people. Their choir met on a Wednesday evening from 7.30. They had 15 members in that choir, but on that particular night, every single one of them was late. This is what happened. The pastor, his wife and daughter were late because the daughter's dress was messy and his wife had decided she couldn't go out like that and was ironing a dress. They were running late. A high school student was late because they had difficulty with the geometry homework. Two sisters were late because their car wouldn't start. One member was writing a letter and uh, lost track of time. Another member um, waited until the last possible moment to go because it was cold that night. The pianist had planned to arrive 30 minutes early but fell asleep after dinner. Two high student school students were late because one wanted to hear the end of a radio program before they left and the other waited for her. All 15 weren't in the building that night when it exploded. One testimony of God's timing being amazing. Actually, there could be many examples of God's timing being amazing. You might have them in your life, and maybe today is an opportunity to share something with somebody. Maybe it's appropriate if you have a testimony of God's timing that has really made a difference that you want to share with us, there will be an opportunity in a moment. God's timing is amazing. God's timing is perfect. It can be challenging for us because his timing isn't always the same, challenge, same timing as ours. And that can leave us feeling a whole range of emotions. But his timing is perfect and we can trust him. And he has, through his perfect timing, brought us close to him. Jesus came so that we would be heirs. Jesus came that we wouldn't be distant from him, but that we would be children, not slaves. Jesus came, and through him, the Spirit is released 
that we can cry out, Abba, Father, because he draws us into his family. And as he does so, he will work for our good, both now and for all eternity. There may be times when it's difficult to see. There may be times when he seems silent. But the Bible is full of promises that will never be broken by God and will always be kept. And his perfect timing will one day be revealed to us, where then we may say, finally, I understand, I get it. Truly, O oh God, your timing is perfect. Amen. I'm going to invite the musicians to come back, and we're going to sing in a moment. But let's just take this moment to respond as well. Perhaps there are people here today who are struggling with God's timing on certain issues. Today is a day we can pray for breakthrough on those issues, because God does break through in miraculous and amazing ways. But we also can pray that we will experience God, his presence, his timing, even through the difficulty. There may be those of us here today who carry with us frustration, disappointment, anger, guilt, doubt. That's fine, because come as you are before God. If that is how you are, I tell you, God will want to take that from you today and change your outlook and change your experience. We can give him the opportunity to do that.